Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I couldn't wait to do this review for you guys. Oh man, what is going on folks? If you don't know who this is, it's your boy, DeAndre, AKA the Superfly Nerd. And we are about to get into a full review and recap of one of my favorite Marvel Netflix series. The one that started it all. Netflix endorsed, created original content, whatever you want to call it. Marvel's Daredevil season three. Man. Oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert ahead. I cannot do this season justice without giving you guys the nitty gritty. I gotta tell you, it was one of the best seasons of <laughs> any Marvel Netflix show. <laughs> and it's no surprise. <clears throat> it is no surprise because it comes on the heels of cancellations of most of the shows that came after it. And when I say cancellations, you guys already know who I'm referring to. We're talking about the dynamic duo, Heroes for Hire. Iron Fist, or Danny Rand is Iron Fist, and Luke Cage. So those shows, after they premiered their second seasons, recently just got canceled and canned by Netflix. I have a feeling they're going to do the same thing with Jessica Jones. Punisher, I think, is safe that also was an amazing season so <laughs> man it's just so much to cover in this season in this episode of this podcast tonight y'all don't know but you're gonna find out today <laughs> y'all don't know but you're gonna learn today <laughs> It's going to be amazing. We're going to, I'm going to take you guys on this ride. And we're going to go full throttle. We're, going, we're just going to keep it 100% real. I'm going to try to cover as much of this as I can remember. And we're going to try to break it down into sections. Because I feel that it's best and I'm able to expand upon that more when I'm able to do it in sections. So, <clears throat> pardon me, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get right into it. So, the first thing that we're gonna do, or that I'm gonna do on this, is I'm gonna talk about the overview of Daredevil. Daredevil is a Marvel superhero, just like 
Luke Cage and a lot of the other Marvel uh, superheroes that we know of, Spider-Man and whatnot. Um, and they have pretty much the MCU on Netflix. But the MCU on Netflix is different and has an advantage because they can have an MA rating for these shows and not offend anyone because you know it's going to go full throttle. Whereas if you premiered this on a TV or network station, it would have to be censored like crazy or it would have to premiere super late night or be like an on-demand purchase video type of deal. So shout out to Netflix for just allowing them the creative uh, freedom to make this a majority so if you don't know this word point blank period, don't have your little 30 minutes watching it's brutal there you go in okay bones get snapped people catch them hands because they rate E for everyone in this season and just in this show in general right now this is sitting at an all time high on just a being, it has an 8 7 out of 10 on IMD. It has a percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Take the bill. You already got Rotten Tomatoes and a YouTube garbage ass review. I'm going to be in this because I'm shit with them. You have cusses and the shit. Take this time to pause, turn the car, you know, unscribe for me on Spotify. I'm going to tell it like it is. And right now, it is really going in something serious. Now, this is one of the best shows. It's at a 9.2 out of 10 on TV.com. And it, it's just a great, great show. Um, this was the first in a planned series of shows detailing the Marvel Universe. Daredevil follows Matt Murdock, attorney by day, vigilante by night. Blinded in an accident as a child, Murdoch uses his heightened senses as daredevil to fight crime on the streets of New York after the sun goes down. While Murdoch's day job requires him to believe in the criminal justice system, his alter ego doesn't follow suit, leading him to take the law into his own hands to protect Hell's Kitchen neighborhood and the surrounding communities. This show first aired in 2015 on April the 10th. And it's shot in New York. <laughs> it is on the Netflix network. And it's crazy because you guys aren't going to believe this. The program creator of this show is the same director that has done Bad Times at El Royale and uh, a few other notable films. But it's Drew Goddard, and he's also done The Punisher, Jessica Jones, as well uh, are, are some of the spinoff shows in the Marvel Universe because they did the Defender series where you had Daredevil, you had Jessica Jones, you had Luke Cage, and you had Iron Fist with guest appearances by Elektra. Spoiler alert. 
and it's just been a, a really great, great show. Um, that's pretty much the overview of what the show is about. Uh, let's go into the, the well, I'll cover the episode number. Uh, there are 13 episodes in this season, unlike uh, Iron Fist that only had 10. And I think what is going to happen is since Disney is launching their own streaming service come 2019, even though those shows got canceled, they shall probably resurface or return outside of Netflix licensing agreement. I think the reason that they got canceled is because they were waiting for Netflix license agreement to run out so that Disney and uh, the other companies, Marvel, um, Fox, which is all owned under Marvel's umbrella, uh, you know, Lucasfilms, and the fucking infinity gauntlet of companies. <laughs> Honestly, they own everything. I, I think there's going to be probably a crossover X-Men slash Avengers film twenty. Uh, they're even trying to put them in Avengers 4 for the X-Men. Uh, <laughs> trying to do some reshoots and have some cameos in there. So that is my prediction for where those shows will probably come back if they choose to grab those licenses again. So now, let's get into the cast. And I'm going to do it a little differently here. I'm going to mention the person's name as far as the actor and then their character that they play on the show and then what I thought about their overall performance as a whole and then we'll get right into what actually went down so the lead character and the guy that plays Daredevil himself is Charlie Cox Charlie is a really great actor Uh, I think he has redeemed the Daredevil title from the horrible tragedy that was Daredevil that Ben Affleck played in oh so many years ago. Just like Ryan Reynolds redeemed Deadpool after that X-Men Origins debacle. But grief, that was horrible. So, Charlie Cox great guy he has always wanted to do his own thing when it came to daredevil he felt like he could do the character justice he's wanted a movie for daredevil he has really really stepped up his game and i was looking at some interviews on how he played the character and i have a great and deep respect for charlie cox one when he first started He had some contact lenses made that visually impaired him to the point of blindness. Um, It was difficult for him because that didn't really work out for them when they were first doing the show. And it was very, very difficult for them to keep filming that way. Uh, Another thing that a lot of people don't know is he shadowed with somebody that was legally blind for 20 years to learn how to do all of these Uh, idiosyncrasies and just small things that a blind person would do without actually having been blind. 
So props to him for that, doing character research, not only on the Daredevil mythos, but with an actual blind person in real life. You know, the cane tapping, the way that they feel people's faces and things and their surroundings, the heightened senses. Really, 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 really great. Then you have the polar opposite of the spectrum. You have Vincent D'Onofrio. And he has played in so many different shows. Uh, He is a very popular character on (laughs) everything. Uh, And he actually played Gomer Pyle in Full Metal Jacket, which I really liked. I liked that movie a lot. And I didn't realize it was him until I'm just now doing this review. How great is that? Yeah, he played in Full Metal Jacket in 1987. He's played in Men in Black. He's played in Law and Order. He was in Jurassic World, The Cell, The Magnificent Seven. So he is a very notable actor. I'm I'm sure everyone has probably seen him before. And man, he plays the villain Kingpin. Oh boy. He does an amazing job with this character, you guys. He made this season for me. Him and Charlie Cox as Daredevil, they made the season for me. When he showed up, spoiler alert, in that white suit, like the Kingpin from the comics and the Spider-Man animated series I lost my shit y'all I lost it I was like oh my gosh they are really doing a great job with this show I can see exactly how they chose to cancel the other series because the only one that could even possibly come close to the level of excellence that they displayed in this season would probably be the Punisher. That's it. Luke Cage season two left something to be desired. In my opinion, it was straight up ass. They should never have released that series. They should have. There, there were a lot of things that I didn't really like. I'm go off on a, on a, just a little side plot here. They killed off Cottonmouth way too early for season one. And they couldn't decide who they wanted to be the villain. So, spoiler alert, you know, that that I felt was a huge drawback for them. I think they could have used season two to introduce Diamondback. I think that Cottonmouth should have at least lasted until, like, episode 11 or episode 10. And then they could have had, you know, Shades or somebody um, as a... a segue into meeting up with Diamondback. So that's where I felt that they dropped the ball on that. And the writers, they tried, but that series, that season was some ass. And our boy Danny Rand, that guy's new, um, uh, Finn Jones, new guy, respect for him, but he just doesn't cut it for me as Iron Fist. I think they could have chose somebody else to do that role and, uh, 
as a result, that first season was all over the place. And I was like, yo, what the fuck am I watching here? So <laughs> just letting you know, that's how I felt about that. I will say, I will give Iron Fist his props. I do think season two was significantly better than season one. However, I think that they missed their window of opportunity and it just came at too late of a time when Disney is launching their own streaming service. So I think they will do well if they bring it back on the the streaming service. But (coughs) compared to what this season was, they don't have the salt to even measure up to what this season was. This season was absolutely fucking amazing. And I say that as a term of endearment in every sense. You had the dynamic between all of these characters. The most notable ones, of course, are the hero and the villain. But then you have their accomplices. You have their flunkies. You have their sidekick type of people. Because we have... Deborah Ann Wall as Karen Page, which I think they did an excellent, excellent job. Her and uh, uh, Eldon Henson as Foggy Nelson. I really enjoyed his his performance. Um, And then also shout out to John Burtenthal from the Punisher series. He did an amazing job. And um, we have... Uh, I'm probably going to butcher this name, but we have Aliette Zarir as Vanessa Fisk, the love interest of Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, and his obsession with getting her back after losing her in season two. And you also have um, the main kind of side character that starts out good uh you have a guy by the name of Jay Ali as special agent Raul Nadim agent Nadim excellent job you have Joanne Wally as uh sister Maggie which spoiler alert um turned out to be a character that we didn't even realize was the character that she was supposed to be playing and I'll get into that a little bit more later on um hmm. let's see who else I'm missing the other person that I am missing that I think should be mentioned is let me just see here oh Wilson Bethel okay he plays agent Benjamin Dex Poindexter and then you also have another guy that I really enjoyed his performance in uh, Steven Ryder as uh, district or DA district attorney DA uh, Blake Tower. This 
season was released in October on the 19th and has 13 episodes and wow it was it was amazing guys I don't know if you guys remember season two of Daredevil but season two had that prison scene with the Punisher where all those inmates jumped him and he just went crazy they had a 10 minute scene in here that is worth noting that was all of that and a bag of chips and guacamole and some and the impressive thing about that scene was they did that whole scene in one take there were no reshoots it was full throttle one cut that's fucking impressive because you have so many different camera angles that you have to approach you have so many different ways you have to cut that scene up punch pause punch again flip change the camera angle get camera two you know there's so much that goes into filming these shows and I want to say the choreography of the fight scenes is amazing. They did such a great job. And then the sound engineers with how the hits and things appeared in the um, in those scenes and throughout the season. It was just, it was top fucking notch, guys. It was top notch. I really, really enjoyed this season. So, let's now get into the overview and the the pros of this season. Charlie Cox fucking killed it in this season as Daredevil. Um, His journey and the theme that they use, which is basically everyone's past decisions are coming back to hunt them in some way, shape, form. And their decisions integrate and impact other people's decisions like a domino effect or a butterfly effect. If you guys have ever seen that butterfly effect movie where you change one outcome for somebody else and it dramatically ripples through and affects other people's lives. It is exactly like that. I mean, even the first episode, you tell they were just like, Alright guys, we need to just we need to give the fans what they want with this season. Because in episode one, you know, Matt is shattered physically and spiritually. Matt rethinks his purpose and place in Hell's Kitchen. Fist puts a plan in motion from behind bars. This guy is meticulous. Okay, he is he is called Kingpin for a reason and Vincent really does him justice. I was so pleased with Vincent and I just want to see him in more and more stuff. He really gave people the Wilson Fisk that the MCU deserves as far as Netflix shows goes. So that's in episode one. And then that one is titled Resurrection. Then in episode two, this one is called Please. And then it says that Grieving for the life he's abandoned, Matt suffers a crisis of faith. Fisk makes a deal with the FBI agent that turns him into a target. And the FBI agent they're referring to is 
uh, J. Ali as Raul Nadim. And this is like an up and coming agent. He's trying to prove himself with the Bureau. He's going through financial troubles. And, you know, Vincent as Fisk is just planning all this stuff. He's had so much time to think about this because this picks up after the Defenders arc that was also on Netflix, which I don't know what they're going to do with that series now that half their roster is pretty much canceled on those shows. So maybe they might do another season. I don't know. So you had that. And then episode three, he made a deal with them or Fisk made a deal with them. And as a result of giving up and being a CI for the government and giving up all these cartel members, they move him into the presidential hotel that he actually bought with shell companies. And the public is hating this shit. They're like, man, the government's corrupt, can't trust the justice system. All these people are fucking working for his ass. And then you got Matt, who is wrestling with how far he's ready to go to right his wrong. And then you have Agent Ben Poindexter, which I thought he did an amazing fucking job as well with his character being Bullseye. And um, also, uh, spoiler alert, just a side sidebar. Um, he did an excellent job as playing the imposter daredevil or the fake daredevil. Because there are scenes in here where he takes Matt's suit and pretends to go around to slander Matt's name in the name of daredevil. And... This motherfucker is ruthless. (laughs) He is ruthless and he never misses his aim. He is so good at his aim that when he was a little kid, they even showed a scene in this. He threw a baseball at a piece of fence that hit the fence so perfectly that it hit the coach in the back of the head and killed him instantly. That's how ruthless and precise he is and he is an excellent agent that unfortunately you can see his life unravel uh he kind of reminds me which is kind of weird of the netflix show dexter in that he starts out as this really great morally upright got his north star intact for moral compass You know, I'm for the good guys. There is no gray line. I'm going to do this. To just a motherfucker that's just like, man, fuck the lines of of morality, justice, right and wrong. I don't have no North Star. I'm off my meds. My therapist is dead. My girlfriend that I've been stalking that ain't even really my girlfriend. She don't like me. And now she dead because Fisk, spoiler alert, had her ass killed. And he found out later on in the season and pretty much was like, yo, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. (laughs) He got to go. So 
we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Oh, man. It's, it's a lot, you guys. I'm trying to, like, go through all of this, but it's definitely something that you're going to have to see for yourself. Then in episode four, you got... This is, this is called... Well, episode three was called No Good Deed, if I didn't cover the title on that. Then you got episode four titled Blindsided. And this pretty much covers um, Matt's little plan. He breaks into the prison that Fisk is in to find out information or that Fisk was in because he's in the presidential hotel now. But he wanted to find out um, who put the hit out on him from the Albanians. Like, why does he want the Albanians dead? And why was he giving up all these confidential, you know, targets for the crime syndicate? So he breaks into the prison to get information on the Albanians. And then Fisk sets it up so that Dex uh, and... Well, actually, Fisk sets it up so that he Dex in his crosshairs. So he tries to destroy Dex's life. And Foggy, who is the partner of Matt pretty much gets fed up and goes on the offensive. Um, and this, that episode was crazy. That shit ended with him getting in a huge fight in the prison. That's the prison scene that I was talking about that lasted for 10 minutes. And then at the end, you just see this motherfucker still in the cab, tied up, bound, thrown into a river and sinking to the bottom of the river in a cab. So that's what they meant by blindsided because uh, they tried to kill him in the prison when he went to go talk to the Albanians because Fisk owns and can see everything. And then episode five is called The Perfect Game. And that pretty much covers... Dex's story arc or Ben Poindexter's story arc and says to quell the rising backlash over his release Fisk serves up a scapegoat to the FBI Dex misses the mark when he runs into a woman from his past which was his love interest Julie I'm sure you guys really really like that episode I really like Blindsided And then from that, you also have episode uh, six, and that's called The Devil You Know. And then pretty much Fisk systematically broke Dex down. Dex was a early sociopath and psychopath that had a uh, therapist named Dr. Mercer that kind of was his North Star and kept him from going down the path of eternal darkness. It's kind of like when Batman, I know this is mixing DC and Marvel, don't kill me guys. It's kind of like Batman almost killed the Joker for Jason Todd's death, but he didn't because he knew that once he crossed that line, he wouldn't come back from it. And it also 
covers that same principle later on in the season at the uh, season finale when Daredevil is faced with that dilemma. Should I kill Fisk and then my problems are solved? Or if by killing him, does that corrupt my moral compass and make me no better than Fisk himself? So great, great, great story writing here, guys. Props to everybody that was involved in the making of this show, especially this season. And then Dex loses his way, driven to the edge, offended or offered a lifeline by Fisk. And pretty much Fisk becomes his North Star because he removes all of the things that keep Dex centered. And the FBI uses Dex as a scapegoat, gets him fired for doing his job and protecting Fisk when the Albanians tried to kill him in an armored truck scene, which was fucking amazing. I loved that scene. So props to that. And then uh, Matt comes to Karen for help, which she agrees on one condition. So that was that she'd be able to leave and run away from things. Then you had episode seven. That's called Aftermath. And episode six was kind of like when Fisk uh, had Daredevil's suit stolen. So episode seven, pretty much... Oh, so Fisk had an idea to slander Matt's name and have somebody dress up as Daredevil, which was Dex, and go around and just start murking people, just killing people right and left and doing shit that would make Daredevil look like the bad guy and Fisk look like the good guy for giving up all these criminal organizations. Whole time Fisk planned this whole thing from him getting shanked in the prison to him being released to the presidential hotel that his company had already bought and installed security cameras to watch everybody and extort people. This motherfucker's a genius. So <laughs> that's why I'm saying they made him ruthless in this season. And the same thing with Daredevil. Um, You're not going to see Daredevil in his costume very often in this season. But that's only because the mantle has been assumed by Ben Poindexter. Because he took his suit and tried to embody what Daredevil uh, does with the the fighting and the, the weapons. However, Matt is like... It's more than just a costume that I stand for. It's a principle and a way of life that you'll never be able to match up to. And, you know, everybody in his life left. His father got killed by Fisk's people um, from way back when, when he didn't throw the fight. There was another criminal organization that was running things similar to the way that Fisk is running it. And he didn't throw the fight, so his father was killed by that criminal organization. Um, You also had the uh, mentors of him that saved him and brought him into the church, Father Lantham and uh, Sister Maggie. Father Lantham was like his North Star for Matt, keeping him in check. And then Sister Maggie, surprise, surprise, 
turns out to be a nun and also Matt's mom that abandoned him at a very early age. So he has resentment, he has anger, he's confused, he's all these things at once. So press crucifies Daredevil after the attack on the bulletin. Oh, oh, episode seven. Let me, let me, let me just tell y'all. Episode seven was insane, y'all. Okay. Fisk had Poindexter dress up as Daredevil and to keep the guy that they found as a witness from testifying, um, Ben shows up and just starts killing everybody at the bulletin. And then he goes, spoiler alert, finds the witness that they have and just straight up blows his brains out all over the back of the wall in the bulletin. And he shoots everyone. People are on life support. Some people didn't make it. So he, he just, he went on a rampage in the bulletin. Um, and then Agent Nadine suspects the FBI paid too high a price for fist cooperation because it's okay. Got it. I'm coming. I just, I'm coming. I'm coming. I didn't even see y'all. Hold on. There you go. I got you. Oh, I thought Brie was coming. Okay, so I'm back. I'm recording this in two parts. So apologize, I had to cut the first part of that short, but I'm picking up on episode seven. And where I left off with that is, um, and just to let you guys know, spoiler alert ahead, I'm covering the whole season in full detail. we stopped at the part where the bulletin got attacked by Dex, who was pretending to be the real daredevil, but he was a fake daredevil. And Matt actually showed up at the bulletin to try and stop Dex from, you know, laying waste to the place. So it wasn't like he just showed up and just, you know, killed everybody. He showed up and Matt was not prepared for him at all. Because Dex gave Matt a run for his money in the fighting and the exchanges that they had. Because if you guys don't know, Dex is like, he's a special agent, but he has military training as well. So he... He is on par with Daredevil as far as the hand-to-hand combat is concerned and the tactics used. And it shows in the fight choreography scenes all throughout this season. It was amazing to watch. I was freaking stoked to see how they unfolded this. So pretty much 
after that, episode 8 is called Upstairs, Downstairs. It says, a desperate Dex reaches out for help. Matt forms an uneasy alliance with Agent Nadim. And Karen concocts a dangerous plan to provoke Fisk. So what I got from this episode was... One, Dex was losing his mind, and he knew he was going off the deep end. He had the loss of his job. He recently was in touch with Julie, who was basically like, Whoa, how do you know all these things about me? You're weird. Stay away from me. You're creepy. It's kind of stalkerish. And it was. He was obsessed with her. He even went so far as to camp out at her favorite eating places and order the same food that she eats like a pepperoni or a a pizza with like broccoli on it and I was like oh that's that's really obsessive and it's it's unhealthy Uh, but he really did like Julie because they worked together in the past at the uh, suicide prevention hotline but he always had like this deeper darker side of him that he was able to quell by listening to the tapes that him and Dr. Mercer recorded of his sessions. Pretty much his guiding light, his North Star, as they called it. Um, And he just knew he was going crazy. There's even droning noises when he is thinking about things and he's trying to, like, formulate plans. There's a hum in the background of, like, a drone noise where his mind is scrambling pretty much meaning that he's off the deep end he's gone crazy um and then the uneasy alliance that they were referring to in the synopsis of that episode is matt comes in contact with agent nadine who is watching all of this unfold due to his fervent desire to you know get a promotion and look good in the eyes of his son he's like oh man what did i do what you know what have i caused he's watching all this happen and so matt reaches out to nadim and was like yo your boy dex tripping hard okay he really is the daredevil i'm not i'm willing to work with you to get information on him we can even you know camp out of his apartment so you have all of that stuff happening they break into dex's apartment to look for you know the evidence of him being daredevil and mind you dex trashed his place so he just went crazy he burnt his tapes of the sessions he was about to even kill himself with a gun but Fisk called him on the phone and was like, I'll be your North Star after he got rid of everybody that he ever loved, including Julie, y'all. Fisk had Julie killed, okay? Because he was trying to turn him into a ruthless killer so he could match Daredevil. So, you had all of that going on. Then, Karen decides that she's gonna go to the penthouse or the presidential hotel where Fisk is currently staying and you know it's, 
being holed up by the FBI because they still think they have a handle on him. But the whole time, Fisk has a secret lair. He's got cameras all throughout the city. This man is a mastermind. And I really love the way that they played Fisk and set him up, wrote him in this in this season. It was, it was really great. Vincent D'Onofrio did an excellent job, as he always does. Um, with the execution of how they wrote his character he's very intense uh, he is very uh, ambitious he is also very obsessive when it comes to anything Vanessa related because he really has feelings for her which I'll discuss more as we go deeper into the season but we're on episode 8 right now so back to the point, Karen pretty much is like, okay, can't beat Fisk, so I'm going to poke the hornet's nest and try and set it on fire, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. So she shows up at the presidential hotel directly requesting to speak to Fisk. She talks to Fisk and gets him to grant her an audience and Karen is just straight up going off the deep end as well because she feels bad she pretty much had her her brother um, when they were little they were very close and she was high she was drunk and they they got in the car together and they had an accident and her brother her little brother died as a result of her, you know, she was a junkie, and, um, she just basically felt really bad, so she was gonna hope that she could get Fisk to pretty much kill her, and so she shows up, and, um, pretty much says to Fisk, you know, you're not as tough as you think, and it's like, oh, you thought Daredevil killed your, your main flunky from last season, which his name was James Wesley. And that was like, he treated him like a son. And she's like, nah, Daredevil didn't kill him. I killed him. And then Fisk, like, loses his temper. He almost wants to strangle her on the spot. It's a very intense exchange between the two of them. And she's like, yeah, I killed your boy. She's like, I know all about your plans. And she basically played her trump card. And she let him know everything that she knew about the plans. Everything she knew about his his uh, shell companies and the Red Lion Bank. That was actually the uh, bank that purchased the presidential hotel. So, I mean, she really played it well. But the problem with that is... You let that man know that you took away somebody that was super close to his heart. It's not going to bode well. And you by yourself in the room with this guy. So she almost got killed. No lie. She almost got killed. So then we fast forward through that. You know, he, he is now hell bent on pretty much destroying everybody that Daredevil cares about, including Karen now, because she put herself on the radar. So we go to episode nine, Revelations, and this synopsis is basically covering and saying that, you know, Matt's already shaky world, 
tilts when he learns the shocking truth. Uh, Karen runs for her life because she already poked a hornet's nest. And Dean discovers how deep Fisk's influence runs. Okay, so the shaky truth that Matt learns is the fact that the uh, nun that took him in in the first episode, Sister Maggie, is actually his mom that abandoned him uh, when he was a little kid and has since watched him grow up but not been an active part in his life. He learns this because she's praying, you know, please don't, you know, let my son um, get killed and end up, you know, horribly, uh, horribly hurt. And so, you know, they're not in the same space, but he has super ultra sonic hearing. So she's praying upstairs in the church. He hears this. His world is destroyed. He's like, wait, so she's been alive this whole time? and never came to check on me never even when I had the accident never you know tried to see if I was okay none of that and moreover Father Lantham who was also you know a father in the church that Sister Maggie was in he knew the truth the whole time but chose to withhold that truth in favor of one it wasn't his it really wasn't his his choice to tell that his you know his mother was alive he should have told him but again i understand that you know it was a bond and it was a private secret that they kept and he didn't want to be the guy to give up that secret it wasn't his secret to give so he said you know you can go and you can talk to sister maggie forgive us because we only did it in your best interest but Matt wasn't hearing that. Matt was furious. He was already hyped up for everything that's going on with Fisk. He wasn't thinking with a clear head. Even when he first met Matt, uh, uh, Foggy and told Foggy that he was alive, he was like, yo, I'm going after Fisk. Don't follow me. Leave me alone. And, you know, Foggy was hurt by Matt's disappearance because when he was in the Defender series the last they saw of him the building fell on him in Electrum so they they assumed him dead and I think that played a huge part in this season because nobody knew he was still alive and then Nadim tries to come clean and basically shows up at his director's house uh director Hadley's and with the agent the uh, the um, basically IA internal affairs agent that shows up and was like we're you know we're special operations they go on record getting ready to talk about you know how deep Fisk's influence runs and how he coerced everybody and you know has the FBI on his payroll but the problem is Nadim didn't account for how far up the books the corruption goes and his world got flipped on its ass because when he showed up at the director's house they went on record you know the IA guy pulled out the recorder he's like oh man yeah we're really gonna nail this person mind you now when Nadine broke into Dex's apartment with Matt 
in the last episode, Dex found out, and he was shooting at Matt and Nadim, and actually shot Nadim in the side of the ribcage. So he's still bleeding, he hasn't gone to the hospital, he's in his director's house that has all the walls and everything covered because she's painting, and they're talking, you know, everything's going well, they're thinking they're going to nab Fisk, they got him dead to rights, they got him on record, you know, they have uh, the Nadim on record getting ready to spill the beans, but surprise, surprise, Fisk has already gotten to the top tiers of the FBI. So what ends up happening is Director Hadley asks for Nadim's resignation because she's like, oh, you were a part of this and you let it go down. You knew this was happening. And they're, mind you, they're still on recording. So she takes his gun and his badge. They're still on recording. And then out of the blue, she takes his gun and shoots the IA agent directly in the back of the head. And his brains splatter all over the daggone uh, plastic that she has set up in her house for the painting. And he's, Nadim is just sitting there like, what is happening? I thought she was one of the good guys. Well, it turns out that Fisk has also had Director Hadley on his payroll along with a lot of other FBI agents that have gone rogue or corrupt so she tied up the loose end with the special agent that was not on the payroll of Fisk by killing him using the Dean's gun to frame him for anything if he was to go against Fisk so then he ends up working also for Fisk by duress and default telling you Fisk was a mastermind in this season because everybody that thought they were one step ahead of Fisk Fisk was like three four steps ahead of them and had already anticipated the moves that they were going to make before they even thought of the moves I mean it was like some Doctor Strange stuff where he saw the possibilities of what could go wrong and just anticipated how to correct it it was amazing so I felt really bad for Nadim But yeah, so anyway, the Dean starts now working for their task force that has everybody on it. Dex gets reinstated back on the task force, basically stating that, you know, oh, they, you know, they got caught on a technicality and they hired a lawyer for Dex. Whole time, this really was the guy that killed everybody in Daredevil suit. So we have that. Then we fast forward to episode 10, which covers Karen and that arc that I told you about where her brother and and how her shaky relationship with her dad came to be and how she ended up here in Hell's Kitchen anyway, which basically she got kicked out by her dad for the death of her brother and her brother was trying to help run the place, but he was... You know, he's, he's a little brother. So her father is like, you're reckless. You won't go to school. All you do is, you know, party and do drugs. We know that guy that you hang out with is bad news. I don't want you here anymore. So. 
hunted by Fisk and hunted by the mistakes from her past. And that's where her brother got killed uh, by her driving. It, the truck flipped over and he, you know, he died. Karen seeks refuge at the church. This is the same church that Mother Maggie is at and Father Lantham. Matt finally gets his shot to correct all the issues of, of the past and try to take Fisk down. And then Dex goes in for the kill, which basically means he is trying to get rid of everybody. So he shows up at the church that Mother Maggie is there with him, but he doesn't show up as Daredevil originally. He shows up first as the FBI agent back and reinstated again to search for them. Dex uh, searches for Matt and Karen because he knows that they're there under Fisk's orders. And um, Father Lantham is there and, and then she, you know, Karen comes out and is like, hey, I'm not here, don't kill anyone. And mind you, he shows back up in Daredevil suit, driven by Agent Nadim, who knew what he was going to do. He knew that somebody was going to die because Dex had on the Daredevil suit and was just ready to lay waste. So he ends up trying to kill Karen. And uh, accidentally kills Father Lantham by mistake. So Father Lantham, with his dying breath, said, you know, forgive us. Meaning, you know, forgive us for withholding the, the secret of Mother Maggie being your mother. And, you know, we're not perfect, but we try. So then you have... All that going down, you got Nadim knowing that he's in trouble. You've got Foggy that's trying to find a way, a loophole to get Fisk. Karen has given up because he's scared to live with Jesus out of her when they were alone in that uh, penthouse suite. So she's trying to run away. She doesn't know what to do. And then you also have foggy trying to challenge all the upper tier teams like the DA Blake Tower saying that he knew this was going down and you know it was unacceptable he never should have let this happen so then we fast forward to episode 11 and this one is called Reunion and this says Dex tries to run his prey to ground Nadine's conscience kicks in and Fisk looks to recover a gift for uh, a gift from Vanessa seized during his incarceration which was a painting that an old lady rightfully took back that was stolen from her family as an heirloom so she didn't want to sell it and there was an exchange definitely about that Dex is still trying to get after Matt because Matt already knows that he's in the fake Daredevil suit. Now, at first he didn't know who it was, but now they um, found out exactly who it is. Agent Nadim knows who it is and told Matt exactly who it was on 
uh, on Fisk's payroll and in that Daredevil suit. So you have all of that going down. Pretty much everybody's past is coming back to haunt them in ways they never imagined. You've got Matt, who his parents, or his at least his mother, his father's still dead because his father was killed, but his mother is still alive and a nun. Your father, Lantham, he feels bad because he, he kept the secret from Matt for such a long time growing up as a boy. You've got Foggy, who pretty much felt like a sellout for going with the big corporate name law firm and leaving his family there to run the meat shop or the sandwich shop that they had. You got Karen, who feels bad about her brother dying and the death of her brother. We also have Mother Maggie that feels bad because she left Matt for such a long period of time and pretty much she had a post-mutual and post-traumatic stress um, after having Matt, which she didn't know at the time that's what it was, but that's what it pretty much was. Um, or post postpartum uh, depression. Um, you also have... Who else do we have here? Oh, Agent Nadim, that his credit, his financial situation is in shambles. They canceled the health coverage on his sister who has cancer. Um, he was looked over for promotion countless times because his credit was so bad. Um, he's in huge financial debt. He's holding on to his marriage by a string. He's also vying for the admiration of his son Sammy but he just his financial situation is so bad and he's you know promising his son things a swimming pool a party when in actuality he has no real money his bills are due he covered all his sister's medical bills which I really admired that about him. He was really a character that stood for good and got corrupted and turned against his own will to save his family. So that was a huge, huge piece of Nadine's character. Really think JLE did a great job with that and portraying it and how you just see him going down this path unwillingly like, well, maybe if I do this one more thing, then we can, we can really nab him. So he just goes further and further down the rabbit hole with the corruption. But he still tries to remain a good guy. And once he sees all the corruption and all of the bad things that are happening as a result of his actions, whoo, boy, he is, he just can't take it. He is like, wow, I don't know what I've done. How can I fix this? How can I ever recover from something this bad? So I, I definitely get that. And then you have episode 12 that's called One Last Shot. And this the synopsis for that was Fisk's long-awaited reunion doesn't go as planned. Nelson and Murdoch take on a new client who holds key information on Kingpin. And pretty much in this episode he is reunited with Vanessa 
Vanessa's kind of his love interest and who he obsesses over throughout the whole season. The whole reason that he wanted to get released is so that he could buy the presidential hotel, decorated with her favorite paintings, in a vibe for her affections. Because he wanted to um, get married to her. He wants to make her Mrs. Fisk. So he ends up acquiring the painting that she got lost or that was seized and that was due to Dex pretty much killing the lady that had the painting and wouldn't sell it Um, but she's very standoffish she doesn't seem like she really wants to be there in Fisk's company and he notices that and he's like there's something wrong what is it you know tell me what's going on and so then she explains what the issue is with you know his plans and what is really bothering her and then they also have um, all this stuff going down with the FBI you have Nelson and Murdoch and, and if you don't know Foggy's last name is Nelson and Matt's last name is Murdoch. They were a law firm partner or they were law firm buddies in uh, season one before they disbanded uh, and they took on cases that they felt were morally right. So they find this new henchman of Fisk's and the guy has all of his key information he's like you know I know who had uh, everyone killed agent Nadim realizes that they want him dead so he does a dying declaration on his phone where he pretty much records in full in its entirety the whole plan of when he realized everything went to shit his operation uh, the corruption of the FBI there is also the corruption of uh, the agents that were on Fisk's payroll as well as the murder of Agent Nadim because Dex shows up at Agent Nadim's house and just straight up puts a bullet directly in his head out in his backyard and he already was digging a ditch to prepare for the swimming pool that they were about to put in and you just see Agent Nadim's body fall backwards into the ditch so the guy that they found is pretty much Fisk's right hand man when it comes to henchmen and he says to daredevil man i got all this info i watched fisk's you know i watched vanessa fisk's you know girlfriend order the hit on agent nadim saying we got to tie up these loose ends there's no way we can let him live so they end up killing agent nadim in episode 12 you know straight up and, you know, Nadim went out like a G. He was like, no, nah, I ain't going nowhere in, in with you, man. 
talking to Dex. He was like, I'm not going in the house. I already know you're just trying to find a way that you can kill me privately. But if you're going to kill me, be a man. Do it out here. Just bury my body in this ditch that I was going to use for the swimming pool. He's like, man, you're corrupt. You still got a chance to do the right thing. You know, you let Fist get in your head and turn you against everything that you stood for and believed in. And I, I really had a great deal of respect for Agent Nadim at that point. And then he also left a dying message for his wife, basically saying, look, there's some things you're going to hear about me and about my reputation. Don't believe everything you hear. You know I love you guys. And the only reason that I did these things was to protect you from Fisk's wrath. Because if they, if Agent Nadim didn't do what Fisk wanted, Fisk was going to have his family straight up killed. It wasn't even going to be no game. He already had Julie killed from Dex. And he was going to kill his family and used his family as leverage against Agent Nadim to make him and coerce him into doing what he wanted him to do. So you had all of that go down in a short amount of time. You had also um, the different people on Fisk payroll, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Trying to find the... uh, there was a lot of people that played in this. Oh, Brett Mahoney, too, was another uh, detective that really helped them out. Mitchell Ellison was the um, pretty much the manager of the bulletin that got attacked. I'm trying to find... Uh, you have Peter McRobbie. He was Father Lantham. And then you have James Wesley. Joanne Wally played Sister Maggie. I was trying to find the name of the person that... um, Oh, and Melvin Potter, the guy who made the Daredevil suit, uh, was also coerced into uh, the... building of the suit the the fake suit for daredevil for the the imposter so you know matt finds this out he confronts melvin and is like man what did you you do man what did you do that guy used his suit and he's killing people so they find the henchman whose name is felix manning that has all the information about you know uh, vanessa ordering the hit on agent nadine and they're going to use him as leverage against fisk so then we have in episode 12 uh, which is the season finale I'm sorry episode 13 which is the season finale uh, and that's called A New Napkin it says Matt prepares to cross the line as Dex becomes more dangerous than ever and Fisk enacts his end game this was an excellent season finale. I thought it was really great. Um, Matt is pretty much preparing to kill Fisk, knowing all the information he knows and how far and deep his corruption runs. It's everywhere. He corrupted the guy who made his suit. 
he had Dex running around off his rocker and by the way Fisk killed or had Julie killed they stole his cell phone and texted Dex I never want to see you again I hate you after she agreed to help him you know pretty much find his center so then that's when he really lost it he was just off his rocker and he was upset with rage he wanted to kill things and he uh finds out that all this happened and that Fisk had Julie killed so then he's like oh I'm gonna kill Fisk now so now you got two people that's trying to kill Fisk but Matt really doesn't want to kill Fisk he just wants him to serve justice so then Dex and Matt end up going toe to toe and Fisk all in the same episode so they're fighting you got Dex and Matt fighting each other. Then you got Fisk and Dex fighting each other. Then you got Fisk and Matt fighting each other. And pretty much Matt is trying to keep Fisk alive. Also get justice for De- or get justice against Dex. While also not trying to be killed by either one of these guys. Because he doesn't want Dex to kill Fisk because then he would never serve justice and be in uh, maximum security prison serving out his time. Then you also have Fisk getting ready to get married to Vanessa so they have a wedding. Dex shows up at the wedding, tries to kill Vanessa because Fisk had Julie killed and so he's like man I'm going to get this motherfucker here. I'm <laughs> I'm going to make him pay. He he drove me down the path of insanity and didn't think I wouldn't realize it. Oh, no, he got to go. I don't care if he's the top kingpin in Hell's Kitchen. He got to go. So they try to set it up where Fisk is fighting against both entities. He's got Matt as Daredevil, the real Daredevil. Then you got... Dex is the fake daredevil that basically shows up and tries to deliver justice by killing Vanessa. And then it's just a all-out brawl for about maybe 10 minutes. They're fighting each other. You got Matt roped up with some Muay Thai ropes around his arms and he is just laying waste to Fisk. You got Dex trying to kill Vanessa and Fisk. You got Fisk trying to save Vanessa and also pretty much kill Matt too. So it it just goes crazy, crazy, crazy. Fisk ends up saving Vanessa because he has a bulletproof jacket and he wraps it around her, sending her out. She doesn't leave. Dex is still trying to kill Vanessa throughout this whole debacle and exchange between them in one room. Then you got Matt fighting Dex, full throttle, no pull punches. So Fisk sees that Dex is trying to kill Vanessa, so he just straight up picks him up and smashes his spine against the wall, paralyzing him. And he is unable to move. He just laying there like, I can't feel my legs. I can't move. So Dex is out of the picture. Then it just leaves Fisk and, and Matt. And they just go toe-to-toe. They're punching each other in the 
face, body shots, slamming each other on tables, throwing glass shards from the chandelier at each other. I mean, you had decks that was pretty much waiting for them at every corner, every turn throughout the room. He was using every available weapon, every available piece of furniture to against them. And Dex is also known as Bullseye throughout this season, and and that's the origin of his story. He gets his uh, vertebrae uh, vertebrae smashed, and uh, a doctor named Oyama works on his spine, and that's how he becomes Bullseye. Oyama was like a, a very popular character in the comics and used adamantium to bind with bone but they can't use the term adamantium because of the licensing agreement that hasn't been finalized yet between uh, marvel and fox and disney and fox which will be active january 1st and i think they'll be able to bring in a lot of that and it also speaks volumes to the inclusion of the x-men because it's owned by fox into these marvel netflix series and shows that they have and possibly future films so we have all of this going down matt almost kills fisk he's got him on his knees he's bloodied he's black eyed he's bruised he could have ended his life right then and there but he said to him you know you don't get to choose who i am I get to make my choice as to who I want to be, regardless of how much you push my buttons, how many people you kill that I love, how many times you push me to the edge. I won't become you. I will keep being me. I will keep my moral center and I will keep my North Star intact. And so while Fisk is on his knees, Matt pulls off his mask and he is like, I want you to look at me in my face. Even though I can't see you, I can feel your heartbeat. And I know that you love Vanessa very much. But if anything happens after this point, I'm going to let you live. But if anything happens after this point, you can consider your wife Vanessa dead because I'm going to straight up kill her. So I'm just like, wow. You know, and it was very very intense exchange between the two and they just went full throttle at each other excellent season finale and that's what they were talking about when they mentioned Fisk enacts his end game and then at the end of the at the end of the season Matt actually you know talks to sister Maggie and is like you know I apologize, I forgive you, I understand why you had to do what you had to do, and his crisis of faith is pretty much put to rest, and he said, God's plan is like a beautiful tapestry, and he said that we as humans, we only see the backside of that tapestry with all of the work that had to be put in all of the the uh, stitching and all the extra layers of the work but we forget that all of that work lends itself to the beauty of God's whole tapestry that he can see from the front and the back because he knows all he sees all and 
he said, you know, we see all of the pieces of the puzzle. We see the the threads that hang from all the work being put in, but we never take time to look at it from the front side of the, the beauty in life and all the things that we should be thankful for in the long run. So he ends up pretty much saying, you know, I think that this was God's plan all along was to have me become daredevil because if you had intervened in my life I never would have become who I am today and I never would have accomplished things that I have done before this plus you also have you know he lost some lives in his pursuit to become daredevil but he you know he said I've saved countless other lives as a result of taking up this mantle to protect Hell's Kitchen. So there was a lot in that. And it was a very sentimental moment. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I enjoyed recording this for you. And if you have any questions or anything that I didn't cover. There is also an end credit scene at the end. Where they have Dex on an operating table. With um, Dr. Oyama repairing his vertebrae, uh, his vertebrae with the metal that they're using. Which isn't called antimantium, which isn't called adamantium because of the licensing agreement. But you see his eye open and he has like a blue bullseye in his eye, which lends itself to the comics and what he'll become later on, probably in future seasons. But again, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you really enjoyed this podcast. Tune in next time. I'll be reviewing other things. Like I said, on this channel, we review music movies technology tv shows fragrances if it's good and it should be seen i'm gonna review it so stay tuned got a bunch more coming and i'll talk to you guys soon stay blessed and highly favored